Amen. Uh, Fanny Crosby wrote it, but it ought to be your uh, words. Amen. All right, Judges in chapter 2. first part where the angel of the Lord comes from uh, Gilgal and goes up to Bohim or Bachim depends on how you want to say it Bochim and uh, he gets after them in verses 1 through 5 okay and he begins to tell them there's an issue and it almost seems like we go back in time um, and I think actually we do but it's almost as if the person who's writing the book of Judges wants to uh, build a context kind of again assuming maybe people have not read the book of Joshua, because some of this is right out of the book of Joshua. Um, And we're going to find just a a very interesting thing. Some of this will be familiar to you. uh, So we're going to begin reading in verse 6. We're going to read to the end of the chapter. I'll do my best to read quickly, okay, and not preach while I'm reading. I do that sometimes. But So chapter 2, verse 6 through 23. And when Joshua had let the people go, this would be right after his time that he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and here's what you all need to do, okay? Joshua let the people go. The children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being in hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnatherez, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about that, round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. That's referencing that this is exactly what God said he would do. I mean, all the way back into the uh, the book of Exodus, this was kind of what was predicted. Not predicted, but how God said he would function. Verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, the mercy of God, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. 
And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel as a test, testing, prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. Father, we thank you very much for your word and for your work. And Lord, we would ask that you would help us to be attentive and ready, Uh, Lord, not just to hear, but to wholeheartedly uh, apply and and take hold of the truth for tonight we ask this in jesus name amen amen thank you you may be seated Uh, ran across a lot of quotes around this particular passage as i'm sure you can probably imagine there's a lot of you know there's been a lot of preaching around this passage and a lot of uh, thoughts around this the, the the generation change and uh, I just found one that just stuck as I was walking through all my different versions of, of how to explain it. And this is the simple, we're going to use this for the title, is this. God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. Now, we understand that from the salvation point because we know that our kids aren't just saved because we are. They have to accept the Lord for themselves. But that, that functions exactly the same in our life for the Lord today. Okay? Now, we're just going to start with this. And I, wanna, I do want to acknowledge this. This is kind of interesting is that these people um, buried Joshua. They knew the work of Joshua. Now, some of these are little kids here at the time. Um, but they, they saw Joshua. They saw the work of Joshua. They buried Joshua. Seemed to honor his work that he had done. And uh, they, I mean, just amazing. But they connected the dots. And then all the people that were alive. So when it says down there, um, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers in verse 10. Okay, that's all the generation that were basically adults when they conquered Canaan. Okay, so, uh, and we'll, we'll just keep right on going. So you got this one generation that follows the Lord, they obey the Lord, they, see, they conquer all over the joint. And then the very next generation... There's not, there's not this slow decline. It's one generation, one generation starts serving Baal and Ashtaroth. I mean, just outstanding. And what I wanna, I'm going to ask, we're going to ask several questions, and then we're going to do a, a little pre, kind of try to answer some of those questions and draw a few points at the end for ourselves, okay? But, I, you know, it's interesting that they recognize Joshua and his faith. Which of us, I, I've knocked on doors out here that will remember their parents or grandparents, and the, the faith of their parents or grandparents, or that they're used to, they used to be a, a preacher or something like that. I mean, you know, they haven't darkened the inside of a church, 
darkened the door of a church for like a hundred years, but they know their grandpa used to be a, you know, used to be some great Christian. It's funny how people cling to that like it means something. I'm serious. Like, like it means something. Okay? It means nothing for them right there. Because they, well, we're going to keep right on going. The next generation uh, did not see. Now, this is interesting. Why did trust in the Lord only last one generation? I started asking myself all these questions. And it's not clearly explained, but I, well, I shouldn't say that. It actually is clearly explained in this passage. But I started asking myself these questions. Why did faith and the trust of the Lord only last one generation? Why? I mean, I, this, so could it be? Lots of could it be's past my head. Uh, well, it says, it says right there at the end of verse 10, they knew not the Lord nor the works which he had done. Well, that's kind of interesting. Well, that, that kind of points at two, two sides, doesn't it? They knew not the Lord. Well, whose fault is that? It's not the previous generation's fault. If you don't know somebody, it's your fault. But not to know the works of the Lord, well, now, now we've brought in the, a parental issue. So I started asking myself some questions. So this, why, why don't they? Well, obviously, if they don't know the Lord, it's not because God wasn't available. The Word was there. The angel of the Lord had been there, had been talking to them. They've got the passage. They've even got the instructions of Moses and Joshua written down. They could read them. So it's their fault for not reading them. But at the same time, they don't know the works of the Lord. So does that mean that there was some, and I have to ask this question because it's not stated, but was there a communication failure where the, where the parents did not pass on to the next generation? This is what God has done, and he can do the same for you. That, y'all know what I'm talking about? How much we do this today. We talk about, as preachers especially, I study great preachers, you know, and study great works of old and the, the revivals of days gone by and the preaching of days gone by. And it's funny how we, we, we even, we may not use the words exactly because we know it's not entirely true, but we kind of get this idea of the good old days. Like something in the previous generation, there was some innate betterness to a previous generation and how God dealt with them than for us and how God would deal with us. And there's not. Nowhere in Scripture is that indicated anywhere in Scripture does God say that God is going to treat one generation better than another generation or show them more works. That's not in there. It's not in Scripture. Okay? But somehow we get that in ourselves. Like, yeah, I remember what? I remember those stories my parents used to tell or grandpa used to tell. Here's, here's the truth of the matter. This generation did not seek God. We know this for themselves because that's what it says. They did not seek God. Okay? They did not have knowledge of the word of God, not because it was not available. Again, remember, remember that Joshua, he, he sent out all the people. We, have, and we talked about that at the end of the book of Joshua. He sent out uh, the, the people to go out and survey the land and to write down the divisions in the book. And all they had to do is pick up a book and say, Here's, I'm, I'm in the tribe of Judah. Here's what we're supposed to have. God said we could have it, believe it, and go after it. Okay? It was written down. It was available. They didn't do it. So either they, they did not read the word of God or they read it but did not actually believe it. I don't know how else to explain it. They saw it, read it. But they did not believe it. Okay? Well, well, how did it work for Joshua? 
They believed it. That's the only difference. That is literally from one generation to the next. The only, well, surely they believed it. Well, there's a, you know what belief is. There's a saying, I believe it. And then there's real belief. And real belief follows up what I'm saying with action to support it. That's what faith is. Faith is an understanding that God is true and God is trustworthy and I can believe what he says and I act upon it. Amen. James is quite clear about that. Faith that doesn't have works following with it is a dead faith. It's pointless. It's purposeful. Purposeless. Okay? Faith should lead us naturally to works. Well, and we'll, I'm going to get ahead of myself. But why did only one generation trust in the Lord? Why? And here's my next one. Why is there a generation that does not know the Lord? In, in verse 10, it says, when it says, which knew not the Lord. The word knew there, I thought, well, that's interesting. You don't know what that means. The word know. They knew not the Lord. Well, it means to be acquainted with him. In other words, them personally having the Lord as an acquaintance. Like they actually knew something about him. Um, so, it's one thing to say, okay. So, my, one of my, my very first set of nice golf clubs... Uh, was given to me by a guy. His name's long gone. It's been 30, probably nearly 30 years since I got those golf clubs, and they're long gone. But my first set of golf clubs were given to me by a guy that played baseball for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, I never, I actually had his, I think I've got his baseball card somewhere still. I still don't remember his name. But it's one thing to say, yeah, that guy, that guy gave me, or to say, I know a guy who was given a set of golf clubs by somebody that was from the Cincinnati Reds. You know what I'm talking about? Does everybody you know what I'm saying? Um, it cracks me up some because my our, my pastor as well, several other here was Sam Davison, and he was our pastor, and we knew him and we talked to him, and he was a great guy. He was our pastor, you know. And then you travel and meet some people who know him. They call him Sam David Davidson, which isn't his name, Doctor Davidson. No, his name is Davison, and they'll, they'll just go, "Oh, you're like, yeah, that was my pastor." <laughs> you know, some of us we knew him, and then it's nothing to say, "I know a guy who knows him." Do you get you get the connection I'm talking about here? Listen, these people did not know God for themselves. They knew people who knew him. But they were in the religion. Yeah, you can, you can do a lot of stuff in the religion and not know God. You, for, you all in this church ought to know that you can come to church and not know God. Absolutely. How is there a generation that does not know? So let me give you a couple of maybes. Maybe, maybe the previous generation did not properly expose the word of God. That could be. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say... If a generation, we have clear instruction from a God that one generation is, is required to pass on their knowledge of God to the next generation. That, uh, this is interesting. Uh, you read a scripture. Read all the scripture you want. You know what you don't find? There is, it's impossible for you to pass on your faith. I want you to hear what I'm saying. It is impossible for you to pass on your faith. Because faith is something that every person has to choose to do themselves. But you can pass on your knowledge. I'm telling you, we do not believe, we do not believe in generational salvation, do we? No. Every person has to choose for themselves to be saved. At the same time, every person has to choose for themselves to believe the word of God and to follow it. That, that, I, I can teach my kids all, you can bring a horse to water. 
Okay? That, our job as believers is to teach our children, uh, teach our children and the next generation. I say, our, like if I'm a parent, but also the next generation that's in our church. It's our job to teach them. Expose them to the word of God. Okay? Maybe, maybe another reason is because the previous generation saw the work of God, but did not praise God for those works in a way in which the kids could hear it. The younger generation could hear it. The next generation. They saw God do some awesome stuff, but they did not turn around and say, look what God did. Isn't that awesome? I mean, look at that. That is a, God did that. You hear what I'm saying? Maybe. Those are two maybes. And I, those are good possibilities, and those are things we could support from Scripture. But in this passage, you know, what we have is basically this generation, the next generation, chose not to seek God. They chose, it says in verse 12, they forsook the Lord. It doesn't say the previous generation forsook the Lord. It says that generation forsook the, forsook the Lord. They chose not to follow. Okay? They chose not to seek him. They chose not to, honestly, to see or recognize his works. They did. That generation. Why? I just, I mean, I'll, I'll just pause on this. Why not? They had the same word of God that the previous generation had. The same word. The same promises. They did. There's no difference. The the promises didn't disappear in between. They were the exact same promises. The exact same word. What's the difference between Joshua's generation and the next? One believed it and one did not. There's no other difference. Again, you can say you believe it. But if you're going to believe something... You know, it's the story of the, the guy who hated flying. He didn't, well, didn't want to fly, scared to death of planes. You know, I don't ever want to do it. And uh, didn't trust airplanes, couldn't believe something that heavy and mechanical could actually make it in the air. And so his wife loved to fly. And for the anniversary, one of the kids bought him a, a, a flight in an airplane. And so they put him up in an airplane, and he's grumbling the whole time. But he gets in the plane because, you know, his wife, he wants to be with his wife. So they go up and fly, and then they land. And, of course, the kids kind of snickering amongst themselves, look at, look at uh, dad or grandpa, and they say, so, did you enjoy the flight? He says, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed the flight, but I'm going to tell you what, I never put all my weight down on that seat. <laughs> do, do, you hear, do you hear the picture? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people who say they believe something, but belief implies, oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure parachutes are very safe. Okay, let's go down to the bridge. Here's your parachute. Well, yeah, yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? You can believe something, but that's, it's not belief if you're not willing to submit to the action. Okay? So maybe they, they, maybe previous generation does not expose the word of God. Maybe the previous generation did not praise God for his works. I'm just telling you from what we know of the previous generation, ha, that's Joshua and Caleb. Yes, they exposed the word of God. Yes, they praised God God for his works. So maybe, yes, we are commanded to do that. But this generation did not believe what they had. Okay? And then I thought of this other question. Why is there a generation? Now, this is a good one. Why is there a generation that does not know the works of the Lord? I mean, think about that. I mean... Joshua, they saw amazing stuff from God. God throwing rocks down from heaven. God wiping out people. God sending in bees and wasps and hornets. God giving them the strength to to run 63 miles in a night. I mean, just an amazing thing. So I ask that question. Why 
How is it that a generation does not know the works of the Lord? And again, we got a couple of maybes here. Maybe because a generation stopped telling what God did for them. Again, kind of a repeat here. But somewhere along the line, somebody stopped saying, God did this, and God did this, and God did this. Okay? Maybe. Maybe also because a generation somewhere, again, stopped praising him and pointing out his work in front of the next generation. A couple of good maybes, very biblical thoughts there. A very good thing, which we ought to be doing. I'm telling you, uh, this generation, our generation, has got to find God's movement and show our kids. Look at that. That was God. Look at that. That was God. Now that kind of implies something, generation. (laughs) You actually have to see it for yourself and know it, but we'll get there. So maybe those two things. But why is there a generation that does not know the works of the Lord? Well, definitely, definitely from from this passage, because this generation stopped seeking works from him. They weren't looking for God to do anything for them. They weren't looking for it. Why? Because they were still riding on some of the success and peace and victory of days gone by and somehow thought, this is great. What do we have to do? Come on. Not realizing that people beforehand had done some work for that victory and peace to be there. We meet in a church building that we did not build. Okay? That does not mean we are going to keep this church building. Their work doesn't maintain it for us. Does everybody connect? Bob Height is not paying the elect- Bob and Gene Height aren't paying the electric bill that's due this month. Bob and Gene Height aren't going to be here to fix the stuff going on. You get, I'm just being general here. Okay. This generation stopped seeking God to work for them, and this generation stopped. This only thing I can I can come up with. They have stopped reading and trusting the Word of God. I, I don't know what else to say. This generation has stopped reading. And trusting the word of God. Well, why do you say that? Because if they did, what would they be doing? They'd be driving out the rest of the Canaanites. They'd be out, they'd be out there with a sword saying, No, we ain't going to serve your God. We're going to destroy your God. And we're going to drive you into next week. Get out of here. Go find someplace else to live. This is our land. God gave it to us. If they believed God and they had read the word of God, they would be out there with their swords driving them out. Right? Right. Is that happening? No, as a matter of fact, it's not happening so much. God finally said, fine, I'm going to leave them there. <laughs> I'm going to leave them there. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it so easy for you to get rid of them. Psalm 28.5, listen to what Psalm 28.5. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Isn't that interesting? That's an interesting thing, that, that God would look at someone who is not Regarding, in other words, acknowledging the work of God. And he's saying, you know what? If you're not going to acknowledge my work, instead, I'm going to, I'm going to go after you instead. I'm not going to build you up. I'm not going to edify you. So let, let me put, Wearsby said this in a wonderful way. Wearsby put it this way. When you forget the word of God, you forget the God of the word. Listen, when you forget the word of God, you forget the God of the word. 
And then it goes on, basically, it says in verse 11, they did evil. Verse 12, they forsook the Lord God. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord God and served Baal and Ashtaroth, which are wicked. I mean, we talked about them before, just wickedness, wicked gods. Verse 17, they would not hearken unto their judges. They did evil. And they just, they, some of them heard the farewell speeches of Joshua and said, eh. Well, what became, why? Well, because Baal and, I don't know if you know this, but Baal and Ashtaroth were fun to serve. Those were fun gods. They promised you, you know, all, all kind of cool things for you. And in the process, worshiping them was fun. It was a fun, fun way to worship. I got enjoyment. It was good for me. My crops grow better. I can get all the intimacy I want with whoever I want. I mean, this is great. It's, it's a wonderful way to live. You know, it's all about me and my fun and whatever I want. Serving God had things like work involved. I want to worship God. Okay, well, here's how you worship God. Well, I've sinned. Okay, so here's the proper order for, for the offering to worship God if you've sinned. Well, I'd like to give God a gift. Okay, then here's the proper order for how to give God a gift. It's listed right here. But I want to do it my way. Well, that's great, but God has a way that you approach him, and here's how you do that. Well, I can't do it my way? No. Well, Baal lets me do it my way. Then see what Baal gives you. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? But I want to do things my I want to worship God where it's fun and comfortable. I don't want to have to haul out my sword. Why do I have to go witness? Why do I have to go talk to people about God? Why do I actually have to confront them about their sin? I don't want to have to do that. Why would I have to do that? Well, you can do things your way, or you can do God's things God's way. And if you're going to do it your way, then you can you can reap the results of that worship. I'm you know just trying to bring out some thoughts here. Just I want you to think: How in the world do Israelites justify worshiping Baal and Ashtaroth? What are they supposed to be doing in the country? Getting rid of Baal and Ashtaroth. I mean, like, specifically. Those gods were called out specifically. Baalim especially multiple times uh, since, since, I believe, Deuteronomy and maybe Leviticus. Those were some gods specifically that needed to be driven out. And instead, they're worshiping. How in the world do you justify that? I, I just, my brain goes, because they had to justify it. Somehow or other, they had to justify and say, no big deal. I can, do, I can be an Israelite and do all this stuff. What's the big deal? I, I mean, I can hear them saying it, okay? They're, the only thing I can come up with is the, their personal enjoyment became more important than reading, obeying, and trusting the Word of God. I, amen. Peace, the peace that they had, because they were living with some peace, Okay, remember Joshua under Joshua, all those, other, all those other enemies had been subdued, some of them driven out, some of them at least made to kind of cower in the corner a little bit and be quiet and not be loud. And so, man, things were kind of nice. Everybody kind of gets along. I got some peace. We got some victory. I've got my property here and everything's great. And they don't realize they're enjoying that because another generation trusted God and obeyed God and did what, was, did what God had set out to do. And they were reaping some of the benefits of that. Amen. And what happens is, when they stop trusting God, those benefits disappear. I actually looked at this specifically and thought, did Joshua fail here somewhere? Because, I mean, if you, if you look at the overall timeline, 
It's Moses. So you got Israelites in, in Egypt. They're spiritualized down here. And then Moses and Aaron. And yes, there's some ups and downs. And Joshua. And then after Joshua, thunk. You end up with every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Right? And I'm going, did Joshua fail here? Going, you know, mm, no, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Joshua. Okay? As a matter of fact, I know it wasn't Joshua. What do we know about Joshua? Joshua was a servant before he was part of that generation. What do you mean? Well, you remember when Moses went into the tabernacle and went into the tent and talked to the Lord and Moses left? And Exodus 33:11 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. So here's Moses and the Lord talking face to face in the tent of the tabernacle, wherever it was that they met with God. And Joshua's there with him. And Moses, it says, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. So Joshua, listen, he's the next generation after Moses. Moses is one generation. Joshua's the next. Joshua had made a determination that he was going to worship God even if Moses was done and moving on. You hear that? Yes, did Moses train up Joshua? Yes, but did Joshua already already have made his own decision to serve God? By that passage, absolutely. It wasn't like Moses had to search around and find somebody to start training up. There was already a Joshua available who was serving God, who loved God, and then Moses was able to train someone who had already said, I am going to be a servant of God. Hear what I'm saying? And at the end of his life, what does Joshua say? Joshua 24, 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I don't think this is a Joshua failure. Joshua has been cleared. He, is, he started off serving the Lord. He is finishing serving the Lord. He's telling other people to serve the Lord. You hear that? This is not a Joshua problem. This isn't a previous generation problem. It's a whole lot more likely... That, and, and listen, if you think about this, with Moses, there was a Joshua. With Joshua, there was a Judges. Well, Joshua must have failed in preparing the next generation. The next generation failed in willing to be a servant. There were no servants. Listen, there were no servants The only way I can see this is there was no one who was a servant whom God could put under Joshua to be trained to lead the next generation. It wasn't because Joshua failed. It's because the next generation didn't want to serve. I don't know if you know this, but do you think think Moses was perfect? Do we know Moses wasn't perfect? But Joshua served God by serving Moses. Do you understand that Joshua didn't allow the imperfections of Moses to give him an excuse, come on, to give him an excuse to walk away from the faith? He knew God himself. Listen, he knew God himself. He was serving God, not Moses. But in serving God, he ended up having to wash the feet of Moses. 
a man. It's interesting, but that's how God works on the planet. Amen. And he learned to worship God himself. Joshua and his generation saw God's work because they believed God's word and followed or obeyed God's word. It wasn't Joshua's generation that failed. It was the next generation that failed. You know, I used to believe, and and some of you have heard me even talk about it, because there is a process to this. You've heard me talk about first, second, and third chair Christians. I don't know if some of you, some of you would remember that. So I'm going to use some chairs here so I got the, I got the vision. So you got the vision. First, second, and third chair Christians. And this is, this is kind of how I've looked at it. That first chair, or this chair here, this is God. And this is a first-generation Christian. This would be like, you know, what we'd call the Joshua generation. They saw God, and they talked to God, and they got to see the work of God. Okay? And that's the first-generation Christian. The second-generation Christian saw God work. That's my how I've always looked at it. Saw God work for this generation. They saw the faith of this generation but they never had a personal relationship with God themselves. Okay? So they knew all the stuff to do because they saw this generation do it. They just didn't have a connection with God on the wise. And so they did a lot of stuff, but they really didn't, they really didn't see God do a whole lot. And then the third generation comes along. Some of you can't see it, but there's a third chair here. Okay. The third generation comes along, and they look at this generation and say, why are we doing that? What, what's, what's real here? Not, they don't see God work in this generation. That's why I used to believe it. This is how long it takes for there to be a failure. There's got to be a generation that sees God, and then a generation that only sees people that see God, and then there's people that only hear about it, and they don't know nothing, and they've got to find God for themselves. But this passage tells us, here's the truth. There's only one generation of failure. One. This one sees God, and guess what has to happen? When this one dies, they have a responsibility, actually before they're dead, they have a responsibility themselves. There's, no, there's none of this with God. You know what has to be with God? It has to be this. There's only one generation. Listen, I can teach my kids, I can teach Dakota, I can teach Autumn, I can teach Katrina, I can keep them in church, I can, I can pray at home, I can show them the works of God at home, but ultimately every one of my kids has to make their own decision about whether they're going to obey this and believe it or not. They can respect my faith like they respected the faith of Joshua, they can, they can honor it, But I'm telling you what, unless they themselves choose to make that decision for themselves and say, I am going to serve God, failure, one generation. Who are you talking to? The kids? No, I'm talking to you. Because you're this generation. You are this generation. Don't start trying to place yourself first, second, third. No, you are, this is where you are right here. You need to be. If you are not here, failure. Your Christian life is meaningless if you don't have your own walk with God. And that walk with God leads to a belief in God, 
a belief in God that trusts him and steps up by faith in obedience, uh, opposed to myself, opposed to the things that I want, opposed to the things that make my life comfortable and fun, and follow God into new realms. Listen, I mean, listen. Let me, let me, let me, let me just... Don't ever blame your lack of Christianity on some other generation. That's bull. Your lack of faith is your lack of faith, not theirs. Your lack of faith is your... You can point your fingers all day long at, well, I don't serve God because they. They don't make your decisions. You make your decisions. You walk with God. Your walk with God is not based on their walk with God. What are you walking with God? How are you walking with God? Are you walking with God? The previous generation is irrelevant. I hate to say that, except for what the benefits that we are enjoying because of them. And I'm not trying at all to negate the work of the previous generation, but when it comes to your walk with God, listen, if there was a switch, I could flip and all my kids to say, click, walk with God, I'd switch it. If I, could go into, if I could go into youth class and just say, I'm going to make all of them pay attention, I'm sure Luke wishes that switch was there too. Like he'd be stomping it all the time. You hear what I'm saying? Don't you think there's preachers who wish that, and I, we're one of those churches, I hate to tell you this, but we're one of those churches that have a, a history. We've been called a great church. That's great. But a church is only as great as the greatness of the faith of the members who are alive and in it right now. I'm just telling you, that is absolutely true. A church is only as great as members who are alive, their faith, the greatness of their faith right now. So is this church great? I don't know. How great is your faith? That's where it's at. There's not a person in this room that can point in truthfulness. When you can stand before God, how come you didn't have faith? Well, Grandpa, we're not looking at Grandpa right now. We're looking at you. Well, but Dad, we're not talking about Dad. We're talking about you. Well, you know, the former pastor, what has that got to do with you? Amen. Amen. Don't be, listen, you, you know the difference? You know the difference between uh, a generation that walks with God and a generation that's in rebellion? You. Because you're that generation. You choose. You choose. Does, does God not have, if we all blow it, is it like God's just going to write Jerome off the map? No, God's still going to do work in Jerome. You can be a part of it. Listen, you can be a part of it. Or you can be in rebellion, but God's work's not done in Jerome. Amen. Ex, what did William Carey say? Some, some of you might know the, the great statement from William Carey. And I, I, I used to struggle with it until I realized the biblical truth of it. And even, the, and even the pattern in which he gives it. Some of you might know it. William Carey said this, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And, the, and it's in the proper order. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. I mean, I, I love the stories of, you know, the days gone by. I love hearing my parents talk about the time they, they you know, had no groceries and they went, and their, their, they went home and their, their porch was full of groceries that they didn't have to buy and stuff. I mean, those are cool. I've never had trouble buying groceries. 
So it's not really been a deal for me. But it's not like I haven't needed God to move for me. Come on now. Some of you all know that some of the things that you wish for God are way more important than groceries. Listen, listen, listen to what Ephesians chapter 3 was. So turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Here, here's, here's why I believe this, this statement is true. Expect great things from God. What's Ephesians chapter 3? Look down at verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Do you see that? Do, do you see that? Now here's the question. Do you believe it? Well, you know, I know the stories, you know, those people who, the guy who ran the orphanage, George Mueller, he ran the orphanage and he needed bread and suddenly a cart with full of bread broke down outside and they had bread and then milk showed up the same way. I know all those stories, but you know, God really doesn't work like that today. Says who? The only people that would say that are people that don't know God, won't trust, amen, won't trust God and act upon it. Well, I sure wish God would move like that for me. He's ready and willing to. What does that say? He is, he is able to, ex, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. In other words, you could ask for something, I mean, as big as you could possibly imagine, and God can answer that way above and beyond what you think would be awesome. Do you see that? And that's not, that wasn't given to the previous generation solely. It was given to any generation that is willing to believe and obey it. Now, it qualifies it, interestingly enough. What does it say? How, how do I get those prayers answered? According to the power that worketh in us. So you understand that we go back to James and go back to the whole asking amiss because we ask it upon our lusts. When we get consumed with the things of God and then we expect God to do great things among the things of God and then we attempt things that are among the things of God, we will see God do things that we did not believe were possible. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm just not sure about that. Psalm 92, 4. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works, works of thy hand. I want to just pause right here. How many of you could say that right now? And I, I don't want you answering out loud. I want you to think in your head that you could say with the psalmist, God has made me glad because I've seen him work, and I am going to triumph in the works of his hands. Not because some other generation told you a story about it, but because you yourself have sought God to work, sought God to work in you and through you and have seen it. Amen. You yourself. Because this is where you need to be. I'm telling you, I am encouraged by reading the stories of other missionaries and seeing the story of like C.T. Studd and Abniram Judson. Those are encouraging stories for me. But they're only stories until I believe God the same way they believed God. That I work for God the same, the same way that they worked for God. Listen, Paul, Paul, did Paul work for God? Did Paul attempt great things for God? How much of the, country, how much of the world did the guy cover and preach? Paul was one who actively attempted great things for God. Why? Because he believed God. And in all that attempting, he always expected God to do something. Why? Because God promised that he would work through him. Because God promised he would work through us. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That means every generation has the same presence of God that the previous generation had. 
Christ, the help of Christ, the work of Christ, the truth of Christ, every generation has the same power. There's, n- there's nothing about our grandparents or great-grandparents or the stories of days gone by that have any more power than the people sitting in this room right now. You've got power available to you. It's there, directly available. The question is, just like this group here, are you going to believe it? Or do you want to spend more time having fun with the idols of the world? Because that's what they got distracted by. They decided, you know what? It's too much work to be a believer. I just just soon do all the fun stuff that the rest of the world is doing. Come on. That's what's happening in this passage. There is no difference. You know what God's looking for? God's looking for someone who will, who will choose themselves. I will be a servant. I am going to choose God for myself. Amen. I, I, I hope and pray that my kids have, a, have benefited from my parents' faith and my faith, but they will not benefit unless they choose for themselves to serve God, believe God, trust the word, read the word, obey the word, and it works the same for you. There's nothing special about the previous generation, the previous generation of church, the previous generation of family that has anything you don't have. The difference is in your own heart. Will you be a servant? Will you believe God? Will you trust God? Will you obey God and act upon his promises? Will you do it? You must have yourself a personal walk with. And I'm talking to every person in the room. I don't care how old you are. I, I, I look at my daughter Katrina. Your faith is not dependent on my faith. You have to have your own faith. And that works for everyone, every child, every old person, every young person in this room. You have got to walk with God yourself. I'm telling you, sometimes it might take a young person in this room to have some belief in God themselves to spark some of us old heads to get ourselves out of our rut we got stuck in. Amen. Our father's faith, listen, and I'm, I'm gonna, our father's faith is not enough. Listen, our father's faith is not enough. And, you know, I'm not just saying our father as in literally my dad. Some of us have heroes of the faith that we look at. If someone says... Yeah, like I talk about Brother James Epps a lot here from the pulpit. And I love brother, I loved Brother Epps. He was a great man, good man. And I can look at him all day long as an example of the faith. But until I choose to believe like Brother Epps believed, it's always going to be his faith and not mine. Listen, it must. God has no grandchildren. God doesn't want grandchildren in this, in this fashion. He wants to have every one of his children looking at him and trusting him solely to talk and walk with him solely to believe him solely he wants someone to 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 understand that the great commission was given to us as members in a church and he wants us to believe it and he wants us to go out into the world and attempt great things for god is it god's will that jerome die and go to hell no it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you believe that? If you, uh, don't, don't answer that, because if you believe it, guess what's going to happen? The Great Commission is going to become not something that spiritual people do. It's not going to become something that my grandfathers did, or that worked back in the old days. Maybe it works today like in the Philippines or something. It just doesn't work in the United States. Baloney. Teach your children to trust Christ. Yes, absolutely. 
Praise God in front of your children. Absolutely. Our kids, listen, when the young people come up from downstairs, they need to hear the, the old folks up, in, and that's what they all think. They all think up here we're ancient, okay? They need to hear all the ancient people upstairs praising God and meaning it because they can see it. They can see it. Listen, we have got to be servants ourselves. Joshua was a servant to God. Part of that being a servant to God was being a servant to Moses. Let me ask you a question. Where are the servants? Yeah, I sure wish God would call more people to preach. Oh, God's not stopped calling people to preach. You know, I used to have this thing in my head in the States. I literally did. And I, and I understand there's a failure. Like, you know, preachers, we, we got to start, we gotta start training, training young people to follow us up so that when I'm gone, there's someone to replace me. Yeah, good plan. But if there's no servants in the next generation, who, is, who am I going to choose? Who am I going to pick? Moses had Joshua. Joshua had You, you must. God has not, listen, I believe this wholeheartedly. God has not, not stopped calling men to preach. God has not stopped calling men to go to the mission field. He has not stopped. The problem is, is fewer people are answering. Why? Because the worship of the world is a whole lot more fun. I get to do all my fun stuff. I mean, what if he wants me to go to Timbuktu? I'm not sure I want to do that. What if he wants me to go back and pastor my own hometown church? where are the servants where are the servants so your parents were believers great what are you your grandparents were believers great what are you well my my grandpa was a preacher my dad was a preacher my dad is a preacher my dad's been in ministry great what are you well, my, my mom was a prayer warrior. That's great. What are you? Well, you know, my grandparents, they were great soul winners. Great! What are you doing? It has never, listen, it has never been about the ability or your ability. Never, ever. It wasn't about the ability of our parents. It was about the ability of the God they had faith in. Listen, you hear that? It was about the ability of the God that they had faith in. God's not looking for people with ability. This just kills me. We're still we're we're so sucked into this ability thing that we honestly think that somehow American Idol, we you know, America's got talent, that there's some truth to that. No, that's baloney. Talent does not equal greatness. To the world it does, but not here. Who is great in the kingdom of heaven are those who are servants here. Servants. Servants. What are you? going to do it has never been about your ability it has been about god's ability and your faith in his ability your faith in his word your faith in his work god has no grandchildren expect great things from god attempt great things for god you 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 do it well what's god gonna do ephesians 3 Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. Amen. Don't answer this out loud. Do you believe the book? Really? 
then are you willing to be a servant? Belief being that I'm going to take it, just like the Israelites should have done then, and I'm going to see the, what God, how God wants to work, where he wants to work, the promise he's given me, and I am by faith going to be, obey that work and trust that God is going to do it in me. Not about my ability, not about my, you know, like I come up with some secret formula on how to, how to trap people into accepting Christ at every door. Are you serving God? Do you have faith in God? Are you ready to be every age, every person in the room, no matter how old or how young, are you ready to serve God today, right now? Are you ready to trust God? Not trust in your own ability, but trust in his. Trust in his word. Trust in his work. Are you going to be a willing servant? There's not a reason in the world that someone in this room can't turn the whole city of Jerome upside down. Are you willing to be a servant. Father, Lord, I, I absolutely know that this preaching is just as much to me. Lord, but I'm telling you, just part of it sets me on fire. Lord, and I pray that it would set your people on fire. Lord, to help us to realize that Christianity is not about something that is passed on but it's something that we see and experience with you every day ourselves. Whether we're 10 or 100. And Lord, if this generation fails, it probably has a lot less to do with the previous generation's failures because they're human as it is about our failures to have faith in the same God they had faith in. Father, please, stir us up. I pray that you'd stir up servants, Lord. That you'd call men to preach, call men to the mission field, call families out to go to other areas and take the gospel. Lord, help us to walk away and to fight against the, the idolatry of our own age. And instead, Seek the truth of God as found in the word of God and just believe it and trust in it and act upon it, believing that you, that you still want to do great and powerful things in our lives. Lord, thank you for the promise of your presence and power. Help us to believe it. Help us to be servants. Please raise up servants in this generation. And we'll thank you for it, Lord, and we ask this now in Jesus' name.